welcome to the third episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race 31 podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who needs to put his 35-year-old big girl panties on, Logan Saunders. Good, good early morning. Good early morning indeed. No, I've got the early morning. I have the early morning. You've got the late, late evening. I've been up 17 hours. Logan is flying to Antwerp tomorrow i'm flying to amsterdam tomorrow we're meeting up in antwerp on sunday and we're going to be press at the belgian mall finale mm, exciting what a week i head to the airport in six hours <laughs> yeah i head to the airport in about 15 ish that's that's better than logan six my bags are literally around me and packed at the moment as soon as we finish this podcast this microphone is being taken down and putting straight into my bag amazing luckily it only takes me 10 minutes to pack yeah, and then we'll be using it to um, to interview the final three of Belgian Mole and hopefully Jill and hopefully Yuri and hopefully everyone else. Mm, that'll be fun. And the lady who tunes out pretty much everything we say each episode, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. I just have to, Michael. It just makes everything so much faster. <laughs> exactly. This was a, another pretty fun episode, I would say. I loved this episode. I wouldn't say this season is as good as Belgian Mole is yet. But it's it's certainly not as bad as thirty was. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad for you. Because if it I was as it. bad as thirty, we wouldn't be podcasting it. We would always podcast. I'd podcast by myself. So previously, ten teams raced to Lau, not Laos. Corinne and Eliza ran in front of the Tuk Tuk to stop Leo and Jamal getting ahead, but it was Rachel and Alitha who drew first blood at a double U-turn, forcing Becca and Floyd to target Tyler and Corey. Becca fumed while Rupert and Laura were tongue-tied. Elephants cheered everyone up apart from Becca and Rupert. And Leo and Jamal won the leg, while Rupert and Laura shot everyone by managing to make it through a whole two legs. <laughs> it's sad. I'm still sad. I can't believe you actually didn't think he was going to go first. I just... I didn't think he'd be that shocking. <laughs> I did. He's like oh. 70. And also, he's not very worldly, so... It's a wonderful combination of people who are going to be terrible at The Amazing Race. He's not 70, though. Jesus. He's late 50s, uh, I lovely. think. No, I think actually? he's 54. Is he? He's not far from me, yeah. Jesus. He's 54, yeah. And teams must now fly to Ho Chi Minh City and book their tickets and hotel using a phone, which they're given. And because of this, we get no departure times whatsoever. Boop. Yeah. Oh, well, look, at least we got them one week some weeks and <laughs> at least we're not totally devoid i was spoiled last week that we got eight of the ten departure times i was looking forward to that being a, a continuing theme of the season but no it's like they give it to us and they take it away they give it and take it away just like they seem to be <laughs> doing with amazing race australia oh what are they doing i don't understand i don't know the application appeared yesterday didn't it well Look, I don't know whether it's the race. I don't, I mean, the graphic behind it looks very amazing racy, but I haven't heard that it's a race. But oh, look, an insider has told me that it is the race, but it's revamped. But what does that mean? Does that mean another channel's taken it and they're not actually using the name and calling it something else? I mean, I don't know. Does it mean that they're only going to race around Australia because it's called Amazing Race Australia, not Amazing Race World? Are they going to no, do it at Revelstoke? I think that also, this is something interesting because on the terms and conditions, which I always click on with everything in my life, you can have a passport to New Zealand as well as Australia. Yeah, they did that for um, Australia 3 though, didn't they? 
They did, but they didn't do it for one and two, so I thought that was quite interesting. And you have to be available for filming between 1st of August and 30th of September, so it's very soon. So, once teams are in Vietnam, they must get a package of herbal remedies from the House of Vietnamese Medicine, which will contain their next clue. Can we just go back to the um, airport when they gave peace offerings to each other? And alliances. (laughs) And for once, it isn't Colin and Christie. Well, Colin and Christie offer inner peace. (laughs) That's a good one. I love Tyler's eyes when Rachel gave the offering to Team Fun. What did she even give? Like a pair of shorts? It was like a jumper, I think. It's a very weird gift Was she Molly she Molly Weasley from Harry Potter? <laughs> I've knitted you a jumper, Becca. Maybe she was offering uh, offering Rachel and Alitha a sock to make them free elves. <laughs> Fun fact, that is the second Dobby reference I've made in two podcasts. Here lies Becca, a free rock climber. And Tyler and Corey say that they're not trying to use U-turns. And Rachel and Alitha also offer a peace offering, at which point Tyler I rolls. And they say they're not drama mamas. And Becca has the most sarcastic response I've ever heard. <laughs> no, you're not drama mamas. <laughs> the peace offerings are supposed to be good and fun. And then they form a Big Brother No U-Turn Alliance. What I'm curious about is how good was that trail mix? It must have been very good if they'd were um, if they been forgiven for the U-Turn. It absolves all the guilt that Becca and Floyd had been having for the past day. Yeah. And then Janelle and Brittany say they're ashamed of themselves for being competitive. And because it seems to be traditional this season, we get a flashback to the last time Becca and Floyd were in Vietnam, and Floyd basically dying. <laughs> and talking of dying, Tyler then basically wishes everyone dead. Everyone should be dead. I love that. I actually wrote it down. I thought that was great. Because that's what it's like in Asian countries. You just, like, you, gotta, you go out on the street and it's, like, it's all, every man for himself. Well, there is a great bit when um, when Becca and Floyd check in at the pit stop first, because they just do the Harmstone tactic of walking straight and slowly across the, the road and hoping you don't die. Yeah, That's exactly. basically how you cross a road in Vietnam. I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. And Thailand. And uh, Indonesia. Oh, dear. Hey. Um, hey. 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 <laughs> the Afghanistan's wrapped. Yeah, I was I ignoring that because like it was that. crap. I thought, oh, I'm going to write this down for Michael. We've had previous discussions over me hating people who can't rap rapping, right? Is it better or or worse than Godfrey Manguiza from Big Brother Canada? It's on a par. It's one of my irrational hatreds. I really, really hate people who can't rap trying to rap. I'm going to put Becker and Floyd in there as well from the premiere. Because I deliberately skipped over their terrible rap because it was terrible. They need lessons from the Richards. Um, before it started, Janelle and Brittany had that um, little interview to camera and they said, "Ah, we're just two mums with their three kids. See that line? See that line? Do you understand what is wrong with that line? Why do women do this? Why do mums say we're just two mums with three kids? I don't, I don't understand why they think that once they become mothers, they're a different person in the world and they don't rate with everybody else and they keep perpetuating this thing that is in their minds that they have to make their kids proud of them and that's what their life is. It drives me insane. 
I get so angry. I hate to break it to you, Michelle, but I think that that may be the editors pushing the mom team label on them. I have a horrible feeling that Janelle and Brittany probably don't define themselves as just being moms. Especially if you like do a cut cutaway to Janelle and Big Brother Six. <laughs> but that was a while ago now, wasn't it? Was she a mom then? No. 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 That's, I that's think she was still a Playboy model. Yeah. I just don't I don't I hate hearing that line on TV on any show. This is a bad week for you really, because we have the mum comment on um, on Amazing Race, and we have the family visit on Survivor. <laughs> Which you've gone on record as hating the most out of anything that has ever existed in reality TV history. I was, I was watching it the other day, and I'm thinking, okay, when, when the crying happened in, in some of them, I'm okay. But then someone was actually sobbing, and I'm thinking, get yourself together, woman. Get yourself together. It hasn't been that long since you've seen them. Out of interest, what would Tom have said if um, you were about to go on Australian Survivor and um, you were about, you were going to get married during the season? What would he have said if you wanted to move the wedding to two days beforehand? I couldn't have. No, he he wouldn't have had the choice. I couldn't have. I just probably wouldn't have got married and waited till we got I got back. I couldn't have moved it. Too hard. <laughs> Just wouldn't have got married. I just would have left. Do you reckon Gavin and Mrs. Gavin just eloped and then told everyone afterwards? <laughs> Crazy. So once teams find the doctor with the herbal medicine in the uh, the museum, it's a detour which is really thin or light it up. And in really thin, teams will catch eight prawns in a restaurant where you catch your own food to get their next clue, formerly seen on Amazing Race Asia 5. And in Light It Up, teams must join Asia's Got Talent semi-finalist 218 dance crew and learn a routine and performance to get their next clue. And I point out that they're semi-finalists because they were semi-finalists. I looked them up after the episode. Because Phil said that they were one of Asia's favourites and actually they weren't. They were semi-finalists. And it wasn't close. Are they better than the 604 crew? I have no idea. But I do happen to know that the, um, the person who won was a, and I quote, creepy magician. Oh, Matt from Australian Survivor? Yeah, Matt from Australian Survivor dressed as the girl from The Ring and did magic for people on Asia's Got Talent. Because that genuinely is the winner's talent, is dressing up as the girl from The Ring and doing creepy magic. And creepy magician is one of my favourite phrases I've seen on Wikipedia for a long time. I bet you Liam and Jamal would have done better with the magician thing than the dancing thing. And I'd love to ask this question because there is one very easy answer this time. Which one would you have done? Dancing. Uh, I think I could dance. I feel like you you don't go anywhere near a fishing challenge ever. Because it's too unpredictable. Mm. There's absolutely no skill to fishing, and I will fight anyone who says there is. And I've, I mean, I've never caught a prawn. I don't know how easy they are to catch, but I can't believe they actually call them prawns and not shrimp. It's basically the same thing. I understand, but Americans call them shrimp for some reason, and... And so when they said prawns, I was like, wow, they're actually using the correct term down here anyway. There is probably a a subtle difference of some description, but I don't know what it is, and nor do I care what it is. You should watch Forrest Gump and you'll find out. Butler can teach you. Shrimp gumbo, prawn gumbo. (laughs) Those prawns were scary, though. Prawns have claws on three of their five pairs of legs. Shrimp have claws on two of their five pairs of legs, apparently. But those, those claws were weird. I've never seen anything in Australia like that. Um, those claws are scary. As far as cooking them goes, they're virtually identical and interchangeable. Right. 
And I know full well that the editors are probably listening to this podcast and going, oh, we finally got him. He's going to do a nice early face cream montage. Nope. Not taking the bait this week, but the prawn task was full of absolute filth. But I'm not doing a face cream clip. Not just because I'm going to Amsterdam in like, oh, I don't know, 15 hours. But also because you can't beg it. There's a lot. Corinne's line, hold him by his hands. The hands went with <laughs> She's trying to grab his claws. Oh my god. It starts with Corey saying, I can't get it out, open your mouth. Then we have Tyler and Corey both getting shrimps and them saying, you've got to get his mouth, I'm going to give you my pole when you get it. There's absolute filth. I wrote a lot of it down. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because of course I did, I'm me. <laughs> They were begging it with this challenge, and as Denise off of James Earl will attest, I don't do well with begging. You know what? When I was writing the list of all the races last week that had been in, as I'm writing names down, I'm I'm thinking of all the different quotes you've had for these people <laughs> and all the different ways you say things, and oh, I was laughing. That's the problem with us having done about 15 amazing race seasons now in total, including all the international ones. I just have so many of these jokes of evil. I thought, oh, I haven't heard that for a while. I haven't heard that one for a while. Yeah, as I said to Michelle earlier, the getting Belgian Mole exit interview thing is slightly awkward for us because now all the stuff we've said about these people is going to come back and bite us. You think we're going to have to eat biscuits? I think Ingrid might have to offer us a peace biscuit, yeah. But also stuff like the Elizabeth is a man-hater thing, Axel being a fuckboy... Bass basically being Buster Bluth from uh, Arrested Development and only being allowed out because Mother said he was. That's the sort of thing that's probably going to come back and bite us. I wonder how Buster Bluth would be on a family visit on Survivor. As the contestant or as the loved one? The loved one. He couldn't last on an island. He would lose his other hand the second he went fishing. I hope these mall contestants take you out. That'd be hilarious. No, they are lovers. We're very nice people. We're just a bit silly with them. Yes. (laughs) So, Leo and Jamal do try and mislead Corinne and Eliza, because that's their favourite game this time, apparently. They duped Corinne. Corinne must feel like an absolute dumbass for falling for it. They didn't fall for it for long, thankfully. And Becca says that she did performing arts as a child, and Floyd was a drum major last time we saw him on Amazing Race. So, obviously they're going to go for the performing challenge. But do you know who my favourite person in the entire bit of choreography was? And it's not going to surprise anyone in the past few episodes, given my love of this team. But Colin Gwynn. Oh my god, really? that was the best. Colin was the best at this challenge. He went 200. We finally started seeing shades of the old Colin and Christy in terms of just being pretty much insane. There's no better way to say it. They're slightly mental. And I love it. It was great that they were first placed to the doctor, because I've never heard anybody be so excited to meet a Vietnamese doctor in my life. <laughs> they're like hello doctor you know how everyone was saying in the past two weeks oh i don't like colin and christy anymore they're boring now yeah show them this episode this was a classic colin and christy are mental episode yeah they're just it's just it's just crazy fundamentalist buddhists now yeah and it's fun especially colin's over enthusiastic dance moves and i can't remember i can't remember if it was him or uh, tyler that sang the karaoke song, but it sounded like one of the parts to Baby Got Back. 
and it just made me laugh so hard. And then we get an iconic Alitha quote when she says, I don't know if anyone's heard, but I teach yoga. And that's basically choreography. Yeah, no, it's not love. I'm sorry. It's like dance, but it's very slow and you have to be flexible. And did you spot who um, rolled her eyes at this? No. It was um, professional Lumberjill rocket scientist, astronaut, mechanical bull operator, loan officer, race car jackman, spoken word artist, footwear designer, aspiring writer, fire dancer, phlebotomist, anesthesiologist, quantitative strategist, YouTube sensation, former Miss Delaware, escape room owner, hostage negotiator, pleasure machine, sex therapist, missionary recruiter, and humanitarian, Rachel Riley. Yes, I did notice it now, (laughs) after that diatribe. (laughs) Must try harder, Vindles, although please stop giving me 17 letter words. Anesthesiologist. Vindles, can you go faster than that? You need to go... You need to go faster, and you need a longer word than 13 letters next time. Come on, you can do it. Also, who listed their occupation on a Survivor bio, because that's the theme this week, as Pleasure Machine? Aussie. We had, we had an Aussie, I can't remember her name, but she was a personality here, and that's what she was called. It's probably a reference to her, then. Probably. Long time ago. There's quite a lot of these that I know off the top of my head. Like, Lumberjill would have been Timbertina from Panama. Spoken word artist was Semha. But then you get to, like, hostage negotiator, and I'm like, who was that? Chris <laughs> Or humanitarian, which obviously was Jenny Louise. You chastise me. A humanitarian. Me, a humanitarian who developed the drop method fitness app. <sighs> how dare you, Lee? I do quite like how consistently we have more trouble with doing the Drop Method Fitness app than we do saying the word anesthesiologist or phlebotomist. You mean anesthesiologist? <laughs> You're Rachel, saying it like for- you've had anesthetic as well. <laughs> this is very tough for me to say. <laughs> now you sound like, what is that, rabbit? That No, not rabbit. The guy who tries to kill the, kill the rabbit. What's his name? Elmer Fudd. He's sounding like him. Yes. Be careful, I'm hunting rabbit. <laughs> I can track him with my Drop Method fitness app. And for once in their life, Becca and Floyd get asked for more energy by the judge. Oh my gosh, how is that even possible? Okay. Logan, that's your answer to everything. It'd be super easy to find in Vietnam, I'm sure. And in the back of the pack, Janelle and Brittany and Leon and Jamal get lost and crash a wedding, which is our first ad break cliffhanger. And then Becca and Floyd leave Light It Up in first. And it's an instant roadblock, which is who's ready to tune out. And in this roadblock, one team member must learn some lines of a Vietnamese karaoke song to get their next clue. Guide Your Light? It is not Guide Your Light, although Guide Your Light would have been much more appropriate to this episode, given that instead we get a song that has some very interesting lyrics. Have you seen the video clip? I haven't seen the video clip. What I have seen is the transliterated lyrics of this song. No, you need to watch the video. You need to watch the video. There's a particular part where a man is cutting meat, wearing a rather small apron, and he's naked on top. And what the singer does to this guy, I'm going, oh, my gosh, you couldn't show that in Australia. Or there's a little naked boy in it practically the whole time. It is just so bizarre with the chihuahua as well oh my god you've got to look at it well they had to sing the chorus of this song and the translation of what they were singing is the following so now the most important thing is that man is hooking up with this woman that man is cheating on this woman that man is physically abusing this woman and she fell down right here that is so weird yeah i mean i guess i guess it's tough when you're just two moms (laughs) 
is we're just two mums going to be the new Janelle and Brittany excuse? <laughs> yeah. We can't help it. We're just two mums. Yeah, because they deserve to have that. If they've actually had that come out of their mouths, they could have it repeated about them. So it is Floyd, Colin, Victor, Eliza, Tyler, Rachel, Janelle, Brett, and Leo doing this roadblock. Do you think Colin dedicated the song to Myrna then? I hope so. Is that why he was so enthusiastic when singing it? I would love it if, after 15 years, Colin Gwynn still has a blood feud with Schmerder and Myrna. I love how Colin had to sing those lyrics despite being a very devout Buddhist. He's let everything else go, but he just can't let his undying hatred of Schaller and Myrna go. That carried, that was hard. Unbelievably hard. Yeah, how do you think you would have actually done on this challenge? It would have taken me a while. As I was saying to someone on, online last night, I, I wouldn't have been able to look at the screen. I would have just looked at my paper and, and listened to it. But it, it was fast. But it did, I, I saw there was a sort of, a, there were similarities and there was a bit of repetition, but, um, but yeah, tricky. They weren't judged on intonation this time, like the Lao alphabet last week. No, I think it was more enthusiasm than anything that got people through this challenge. I wish Rupert would have been able to do this. He wouldn't have been able to do this. That's that's the key. <laughs> Rupert's karaoke skills, I'm going to guess without having seen them, can only be described as not good. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, he has to get increasingly frustrated with it. What, threatened death and rot on them? Well, he would just throw the mic down and, like, bulldoze his way through half of the tiny Vietnamese audience. You know what I would have loved, though, is if old Colin had to do this challenge and he just got really frustrated. My microphone is broken. It's bullshit. My vocal cords are broken, not the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go back to the shrimp detour where Eliza describes it as a nightmare. And I would also argue that being around Tyler and Corey for the day would be... Low-hanging fruit, but I couldn't resist that one. And Elitha has no rhythm, and Victor says that he comes from a dancing background as he's Puerto Rican. Boricua Morena. Then um, Eliza gets their first shrimp, Corinne gets nipped, and she swears a lot. Yes. That doesn't sound like Corinne. She was the closest to doing a Colin Gwynn at This Is Bullshit. And then Colin and Christy leave it lighted up in second after four attempts, and Nicole and Victor leave it in third after eight attempts. You'd think if any team was going to leave lighted up in first, it would probably be Leo and Jamal. Well, I can't say I'm surprised that Becker and Floyd were the ones to leave um, light it up in first, given that, you know, they do come from Colorado. Not just Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think production slanted it just a little bit in Beck and Floyd's favor this week? Well, given that they have had a horrific past couple of weeks. And also given that they go back to Vietnam and they give them two, every challenge was an indoor challenge, and both the detour and the roadblock involved music and rhythm. Yeah, it was definitely their leg to lose, this one. Like, if they're not going to win this leg, they're not going to win anything the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a flashback to Rachel dancing in India, and that being awful. And her and Alitha are so bad that the backing dancers actually visibly mock them after their 16th attempt. Well, no, Rachel was perfect. It was Alitha who was... Atrothis. And yes, it's it's Rachel who breaks down about all this, and Elitha has to tell her to put her 35-year-old big girl panties on. At which point she takes massive offence, because she was 33 at the time. I'm not 35! <laughs> I mean, by the time the season aired, she was 37. <laughs> I did actually have to Google how old Rachel Riley was, just to be sure that she wasn't actually 35 by the time this aired. Why would her sister say that? Like, it's really random. So random. 
Well, to say a different age than what your sister actually is, it's just weird. That was very Jimmy, Michelle. <laughs> I didn't talk like that. <laughs> and for the first time all episode, we actually have to mention Chris and Brett because they are terrible and decide to switch detours, therefore breaking the one Michelle Pierce-Denevan rule. Yes, never switch. But not good. Was, you went a little bit there. Not good. I <laughs> shouldn't have been dancing at the beginning. Like, why did they even pick it? Why did they even try? First of all, they're older males. They have no chance. The thing is, if you're faced with a detour like this, where it's basically luck versus skill, I've seen former Amazing Racers always go, you should always pick the detour where you're being judged because at least you can improve on what you're doing. Well, I, I got some more insight into why Chris and Brett chose the dancing task. So Tyler Oakley messaged me uh, was it yesterday. Hey guys, um, you're probably wondering why Chris and Brett chose that side of the detour. Um, it was because during the 80s, uh, Chris was a break dancer when he was in college. So apparently Chris did break dancing. I didn't know that. And Brett was a backup dancer for Jennifer Lopez in the mid to late 90s before he joined the police force. Did it as a summer job. Interesting. Thank you, Tyler, for that information. It's just that they hadn't danced in a really long time, and Vietnamese dancing is very different than break dancing or for Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. And, and they brittle bones now, because Chris and Brett are now old as fuck. <laughs> and Corinne and Eliza leave Reel in fourth, and they freak out about the prospects of Eliza getting to do some karaoke. And then it is Tyler and Corey who leave Reel in fifth, at which point a shrimp falls off the box that the judges use to count them. Rachel and Lalitha leave Light in 6th after 18 attempts. Janelle and Brittany leave Lighted Up in 7th after 6 attempts. And then we just get the final 2 there. Survivor doesn't do final 2s anymore. Amazing Race doesn't do final 2s either. Despite Logan really wanting that to happen eventually. Only Big Brother somehow. And there's no intrigue to this episode. Floyd leaves the roadblock in 1st. No one else has even turned up. So teams must now find uh, Hotai Kai. The pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in, may be eliminated. Yeah, that Big Brother alliance didn't really crack Floyd and Becca this round. Nope. But anyway, enough of the successful people. Let's go to Colin, who greets everyone at Kingdom Karaoke with, Who's ready for a karaoke party? <laughs> oh, so He's so happy now. He's so happy. He's a completely different man. I love this complete 180 from Colin. It's so much fun for me to know that he he has the potential to be a complete stress pot, and yet we get really happy, positive Colin just being enthusiastic about everything. The complete opposite to what we've previously seen. Do you see the post about Christy saying that she just cannot dance and has two left feet, and she even, I think on Instagram, she even picked out all of the clips where she just couldn't dance at all? I didn't, but they were making me laugh so much during that detour because... It was blatantly obvious that Colin was very enthusiastic about it, and Christy was just like, I hope I don't make a tit of myself on TV for this. <laughs> or, wait, or when she was cheering him on at the roadblock, when she's like joining in with the rest of the dancers too, as if she's like that drunk college woman at a party, smoking the wrong side of a cigarette. But the best thing about this is the fact that after the detour, we just get a complete Colin and Christy confessional breakdown, basically, of him just doing poses repeatedly. And it's wonderful. And it's our banner this week, because I love Colin and Christy. It's his own dance. Yeah. And Leo and Jamal get rejected again at Light It Up. And then Eliza shows up to the roadblock and yells non-stop, trying to force people out of the room. And she admits full well that she was just being annoying. What was that? 
But what? I just, a laser? So amazing. So, what is that? Why did she just start screaming? This is the first episode in a long while where I've been spoilt for choice for your intros because there's about four that we've covered so far where I'm like, yeah, I could have used that as an intro. The screaming one. <laughs> well, I, I could have easily had, and the lady who fully admits on the podcast that she's annoying, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. <laughs> I am annoying to some people some of the time. Correct. This this episode was fun, at least. It was a blatantly obvious non-elimination episode, but it was just fun. So much fun. It was infinitely better than everything we saw in last season. Not that that's saying anything, but... It was good and fun. Yeah. <laughs> and Victor leaves the roadblock in second, at which point we find out that Colin Gwynn is delightfully awful at karaoke in Vietnamese. But that energy, though... <laughs> That's what carries him through. Yeah, he leaves in third. My Chiang is broken. I'm packing it. <laughs> so at the pit stop, Becker and Floyd checking in first. No intrigue whatsoever. And they win a trip to the Bahamas. And we get both a massage and a spa. Yes! <laughs> it's in caps. It's large on my page. We got a spa! For anyone who listens to this podcast a lot, you'll know that any time we hear the word spa said on one of the travel prizes, Michelle goes absolutely mental. <laughs> she loves a spa. I love the spa. And Becca and Floyd say that redemption has never been so much fun. And the last person to say that was Boston Rob. But they didn't even do any tasks that involved Floyd dying, though. They weren't in the heat, they were indoors, and they were doing music and rhythm challenges that they do in their everyday life. Floyd was in a band. That's not redemption, that's just doing what you do at home. Very true, but if you think back to the this season on the Amazing Race preview, and I know we, we haven't talked about it at all, but if you think back to that, there's a certain task that appeared in Vietnam last time that seems to be a switchback that has to be next week, because it's the last episode in Vietnam next week. I don't know whether you remember mm. which one it is, but there's a potentially iconic task returning again. Really? Yes. And if you think oh. back to the challenge that Floyd lost... And the fact that that was a detour, you may remember what the other side of that detour was. No, I don't. The side that Floyd lost on, or the task that Floyd lost on, was previously seen in Season 3, in their Vietnam visit, as basket bikes. <gasps> the opposite side was basket boats. And I happen to remember that we may have seen oh. at least one team in those conical boats. Oh my god, that was amazing. That challenge is so good. So it looks like we're going to get our first detour switchback. And I'm very surprised they didn't put it in the preview at all. Yeah, maybe because they've already used it. Yeah, but they, with an iconic task like this, they really should be hyping it up as much as possible to try and get all the casual fans to be very confused about it and all the hardcore fans going, oh my god, they're actually doing it. What the hell? Hmm. Yeah. I, th I thought their, only, their memory only extends back to season five. It's much further back than they've previously admitted their memory goes back to. And Eliza gets rejected at the karaoke before Tyler leaves in fourth, and Eliza leaves in fifth. Nicole and Victor checking in second, with zero match at. Nicole and Victor are having a very strong performance this season. They are. However, they don't have the best record of the season, because that belongs to Colin and Christy, who check in, in third. When's the last time that Colin and Christy's done worse than fourth all season? Or, I mean, in both their seasons. Was it leg two of season five? Yeah. Colin and Christy now have the best average of the season as of this week, and also for the second week on the chart, have the best running average of any All-Star team in this season. They are doing very well, and they're being very sneaky about doing very well. Because they're just helping everyone, and they're being so mellow. 
they're avoiding U-turns. And does that remind you of any team who previously won who may be our favourite winning team, at least in the seasons we've covered? A team who's very social and trying to avoid doing U-turns, but actually very good at things. Brooke and Scott. Yes. <laughs> and a team who are very prone to meltdowns. Maybe not anymore, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's really, like, Colin Christie, there's just no sense of them ever being in danger. Mm. Unless it involves an ox, that's been about it for, like, one and a half seasons now. I'm very disappointed if we aren't going to get a um, a return of the Carabao task. Just for funsies. God, I wish they'd put it in. They're probably not. They'll probably leave Asia after this. So, Tyler and Corey checking in fourth. Corinne and Eliza checking in fifth. And Janelle and Brittany, because they're so proud to be moms, checking in sixth. Uh, they just left oh four men God. in the dust. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're teaching our daughters that they can do anything. We're racing against men and we're beating them. Christ in heaven. <laughs> I forgot Jesus. how much this angers you. Why the hell are they perpetuating that women can't do what men do? By saying those lines, I, I, I'm i so speechless. I just I can't take it. I can't take it. What's wrong with them? And Chris tries to sell their driver that they're in a race for a million dollars, which, if you know anything about the Vietnamese dong, means it's about $50 to the uh, the taxi driver. Which would still be a lot of money to them. It's more than what they make in a year. Oh yeah, but considering that I think the the Amazing Race Vietnam, they compete for a prize of 300 million dong, which works out about $75,000. That's the grand prize. That's the grand prize, yeah. And you'd be set for life probably with that money in Vietnam. Yeah, it would be money for life from Petro Vietnam. All the dong you can dream of. And Janelle shouts to Rachel when they can't find the pit stop, but they do check in in 7th. Leo and Jamal checking in eighth, and Chris and Brett appear somewhere to check in in last, but sadly they are non-eliminated. And of course, there's a speed bump. And it is the shortest, probably the shortest match chat with a team saved by a non-elimination in a very long time. Yeah. They're just, oh, we're going to try and get over the speed bump. We're not out yet. And that's it. And the other, was it Eliza was the only one who referenced Chris and Brett all episode saying... Oh, they wouldn't be dumb enough to do the dance. They're two old guys. And then Chris and Brett say, Oh, Rupert and Laura are gone. We're the two old guys. We're the two oldest people left, even though I think they're only like... Boys? Yeah, not very old at all. I think they're both <laughs> younger than Michelle. Mm, they are. I'm pretty sure they are. So, next time, teams stay in Ho Chi Minh City. There are polar bears. The mole moped school reappears. And Rachel and Alitha and Corinne and Eliza fight. Yeah, what's with the Mole Challenge crossing over to American Amazing Race? Of all the Mole Challenges from this season I expected to cross over with, this was not the one. Maybe the dinner with Mr. Huang. Roadblock. You have to convince Mr. Huang to use the word Reagan pipe during dinner. Once you do so, you get your next clue. Or the other roadblock is hang underneath a table without anybody pulling you out of the table for two minutes. So, who do you think's going home next week, seeing as though we know it's an elimination? I mean, Chris and Brett have done awful. Nothing's yeah. worked for them. I'd be surprised if they don't. Like, who have they beaten so far this season? Let me have a look. They did way worse than what I was even expecting. Like, they're just... They're they're terrible. Oh, they've beaten Corinne and Eliza once, the first leg. Yeah, they've currently beaten six teams in three legs. Yeah. But... but uh, how many out of the remaining teams? Well, it's Janelle and Brittany, 
Corinne and Eliza and Rupert and Laura and Art and JJ in the first leg. Yeah, two of those teams are gone, so that doesn't count. And then it was Becker and Floyd and Rupert and Laura in the second leg. And one of those teams was U-turned. Yeah. So mm. they only beat two teams on the first leg, and that's been it after three legs. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. going home. <laughs> <laughs> and have you guys got any uh, predictions for who's going to win? I'm next still leg? with my two teams, I think. Oh, win the leg or the whole thing? I mean win-win, but... How about just win the leg? Okay, win the leg, whatever. Let's see, there's no U-turn. Leo and Jamal, I can't see them swinging all the way back to first place again. I feel like they're still going to want to get the jitters out from being so shitty at dancing. Um, Well, this is the first leg where um, they're staying in the same city as well. So the time advantage actually will help. Oh, there might not be an equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, Beck and Floyd then. Or Nicole and Victor, they're doing really well in the second. I kind of like the idea of them never winning a leg, though. Why? Because okay. it, it's always funny when a team comes second repeatedly. What what um what season was it where there was a team that was just second all the time? It's happened a few times. Yeah, it's happened a few times. Go near it down, Michelle. So frustrating when they do that. For them, it is. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> it's for me because when I'm when I'm running it down two 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 and then I'm thinking, oh my god, just get yourself a one once. Maybe Colin Christie will win next leg. Hopefully. They need to start winning some legs. They need the leg win yeah, record. They're only about four away, I think. Yeah, I initially predicted because somebody said, oh, who's going to get the leg win record? And I said, well, I mean, Rupert and Laura could win ten legs in a row. They're not going to. <laughs> Chris and Brett technically could tie it, I guess. They could get nine. Yeah. <laughs> Just start off really weak and then be really, 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 really strong. Lull everyone into a false sense of security. <laughs> yes. They were just playing possum the whole time. But you know what? I think Colin and Christy are going to take it next leg. I think this is the... It's just going to be like their original run where they were a bit mellow. Kinda. The first couple rounds. And then you just start kicking everyone repeatedly. Like, you're the Chong Miao guy. So, have you guys got anything else you want to say? Were there any questions that were... Not that I noticed. Nothing interesting. No? Okay. Then no, I have nothing else to say. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for listening to this Amazing Race podcast. We'll be back next Sunday for another episode. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, Lugs of Quirky for Logan and Bear 3333333333 for Michelle. Also, if you're watching Demol Belgi, Logan and I are going to be at the finale on Sunday. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. It'll be all over social media. See you next week. Bye. I'm surprised Raiden didn't sue the dance crew for copying his outfit for Mortal Kombat. Peace <laughs> out. And that's how Logan sees it. Um... <laughs>